Well, please turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We are in verse 21. We're going to go through chapter 2, verse 4. And just as Eric concluded his prayer, apart from him, we can do absolutely nothing, but in him, we can do abundantly more. He can do abundantly more. He can demonstrate love in such a way that he can teach us how to love one another. Remember our themes of 2 Corinthians. Uh, we're, we're looking at those two pictures of how the Lord, he strengthens us, but he also shepherds us. And last Sunday, in this larger section that this is a part of, uh, we saw how the Lord, he doesn't want us to simply know how we are saved by grace, but that he sustains us by grace in life. And this morning, we're looking at how Paul is going to demonstrate an abundant love as a way in which God shepherds his people. One of the ways he shepherds is he uses the love of his people. Now, covenant children, um, I'm going to give you an image, but don't start drawing if your parents permit. Um, but if, would you draw duct tape? You know what duct tape is, that gray tape? It, if you ask your dad, it fixes everything, whether it's the Apollo 13 lunar module or whether it's the bumper of our cars, duct tape will fix anything. But imagine and draw a picture of a three-legged race where you're bound to somebody, your legs are bound with duct tape. I had a youth leader do this to me once. It is painful. I had shorts on. It is painful to have to run with someone in step with duct tape, being bound to them. Well, here's why I share that with you, Covenant kids. Because God has bound us together. He's bound his church family together. And we are running to be more like him. And we're learning by love to walk in step with each other. And sometimes it hurts. But we press on because of his love for us. Friends, there have been many voices that have spoken into our lives this past week, family, friends, workers, co-workers, but God is speaking into our lives this morning. Let's turn our hearts to his word. Would you listen to God's word for his people? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. But I call God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming again to Corinth. Not that we lord over our, your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. For I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. For if I cause you pain, who is there to make me glad but the one whom I have pained? And I wrote as I did, so that when I came, I might not suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice. For I felt sure of all of you that my joy would be the joy of you all. For I wrote to you all out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love 
that I have for you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, this is your word, your word for your people. Would you help to apply it deep into our hearts that we would know of the abundant love that you have for us and that we would show an increasing abundant love for each other. Would you lead us in your word? For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we pursue to great depths that which we love. Imagine being in a scenario where you're having to take the trash out. And as you head out to the trash bin, it's full. And when you open it up, it's full of trash. It's smelly. It's nasty. You don't want to stay long. And it's one of these glorious rainy days we've had. And it's wet and the trash has had a hole in it. And it's mixed all together. And so you're wanting to resist it. You're wanting to step away. But you throw your trash in. And what happens your ring slips off your finger. You don't hear it hit the ground. (laughs) And so you're thinking it probably went right into that trash can. In that moment, what do you do? You could just take the lid, put it on the trash can, walk inside, and if it's your wedding ring, explain to your spouse, my wedding ring's in the trash and now it's going off to the dump. (laughs) But you wouldn't dare think about that. Instead, what you're going to do is roll up your sleeves and you're going to dumpster dive into the depth (laughs) to pursue the ring that you love. And why does it have value? Why do you love it? It might have some cost to it. Mine, Mine doesn't. Mine was a very cheap ring, but I'd pursue it because of the one who gave it to me. You see, we pursue the things that we love. We're willing to go to great depths for the things that we love. And a wedding ring is something we love because of the one who gives it to us. It's an odd experience, I think, for the world to understand the depth of the love that the church has for each other. But Paul is saying to the Corinthian church that he's willing to endure great depths, things that we would never consider doing on our own or in our own strength, He's willing to go to great depths out of love for the Corinthians. He's going to do that because he belongs to them. Because the one whom he loves, who has loved him, has given him the Corinthians and bound them together. If we look at this beginning passage As we're looking at verse 21, we see a picture of what God has been at work doing between Paul and the Corinthians. You see, he's bound them together. He's established them. That word established that we see in verse 21, it it, it means to, to secure, to firmly bond together. And 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 God has done this not because They chose it, not because the Corinthians wanted Paul. In fact, some of them were even resisting Paul. They were fighting Paul. But God has brought them together. He's bound them with a bond that's firmer than glue or cement. It's more thick and and, and more, more binding than duct tape. Because it's sealed with the very blood of Jesus. 
My aunt has a saying, many of you might have this saying, blood is thicker than water, right? The blood of Christ, it binds his people together. That's how this passage begins for us. Uh, Notice in verses 21 and 22, let me read it to you again. And it is God who establishes, who's bound us with you in Christ and has anointed us and he's put a seal on us and he's given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. You notice how Paul writes that. He, He actually uses the present active tense that God establishes us together. It's the active work of God. He's working in our midst to bind his people together. That's what he's active doing, but but he uses the past tense to describe what he has done. And there's two implications for this, I think. Two things I want us to note. The first one is in that active work, he's done something to us. He's, He's changed us in some way. He says three ways, in fact, in this passage. He's anointed us, he's given us his seal, and he's given us his spirit. To anoint us, uh, anointed ones, Paul's kind of doing even a, a play on words, almost a pun it seems. Because many of you know what Christ means. It means the anointed one. And Paul says, in Christ, in the anointed one, you've been anointed. <laughs> you've been bound with him. You belong to him. And Christ who set aside as the great high priest, the prophet, the, the, the king, all of whom were anointed in the Old Testament. Christ is the anointed one. And we've, he's been set apart for his ministry. We too have been set apart. We've been set apart to love in a way that the world doesn't understand. To go to great depths for those whom God has bound us to. We've been anointed because we belong to the anointed one for the purpose of showing the same love that he has shown us to each other. And he's given us his seal. He sealed us. That's an image of authority and ownership. God says, you belong to me. And he's given us a spirit as a guarantee, a, a deposit, a down payment. We give down payments on homes and cars. God gives us a down payment. Why does he do that? Because he says there's a kingdom that's coming, a kingdom when the fullness, we'll see the fullness of the kingdom of God appear. And in that kingdom, The guarantee that it's coming, the deposit is the Spirit's arrival. The Spirit who who dwells within his people. A Spirit that not only comforts us, but convicts us of sin. Shows us the way of love. The way of abundant love. It shows us how a family is to live. That points us to one day what all of God's universe will look like in love. The Spirit is the way in which we see the promise of God. Uh, We know that he will fulfill that promise because he's at work in our lives to grow us, to love one another, to pour out our lives for one another. And Paul is describing this. He's describing this work of God And it leads him to describe his love and his way of modeling it for the Corinthians, for those in Corinth. 
You see, these are many, in many ways, these are moments uh, of, of life that, that are just normal to us. How we seek to be in relationship with those we love. We, we naturally endure things like pain for those we love. You know this. You know the agony and toil of loving someone who's wayward, who doesn't want to listen to God's way. Whether that's a, a family member or, or a neighbor who you dearly love or a good friend or, or even a parent. You know that kind of love that's costly and it's painful. We, we agonize over it. Paul's going to describe that in just a moment. He's going to say the depth of the love that he has, it actually leads him to pain. Well, the first pain that we see, I think, in this passage, even though he doesn't say it's pain, the first one is that it seems that these Corinthians, some of them at least, have been challenging his motivation. In this passage, he's going to talk about his trip and his letter and, and his desire to love them, his desire to speak truth into their lives. But the Corinthians, some of them are going to use that as an example of saying how Paul is, as we talked about last week, he's unfaithful, unreliable, he's not worth listening to. Here's the apostle that God has called who has planted this church and those in this church, some have even rejected that, that, that pastor, that apostle and the word of the Lord that's come through him. It must have been so painful for him to hear those words and yet he's discerning and writing to them and, and he's, he's engaging this question of his motivation with them in verse 23. Uh, look with me. He wants to be very clear about his intentions. So clear that he calls God to witness against him. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming again to Corinth. You see what Paul is saying here is, is he actually calls God to witness because he's so concerned for them that they would misread his motivation in why he wrote this letter rather than coming. It's easy for us to presume the motivations of others. We must not learn to presume that motivation when someone's seeking to try to love us with the truth. That can be very hard for us. And, and in addition to that, as, as Paul states in this, he's, he's concerned about their best interest. He wants to spare them. He's perhaps even doing a, a costly letter, a, a costly trip. He's considering and he's weighing out what is the best way I can communicate the gospel that we are sustained and live by grace to these Corinthians how will they hear it? It's, it's costly. It even it engages the risk as he's putting his relationship out, caring for those whom he loves, not knowing how they'll respond, but concerned enough to speak love and truth to them. There are times we must learn to risk speaking truth to those we love. But when we do so, we're not concerned for our own interests, the cost of ourselves. We're concerned about their good. We need to be careful that we don't speak too quickly, certainly. 
But notice how Paul not just com- doesn't just communicate the truth of the matter and his motivation, but, but jump with me to 2 verse 4. He says, For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but le- to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. You know, the content here, Paul doesn't fully give us what he intends. I mean, it's going to be the full letter. But right here in this section, he focuses on the manner of his love. How He's not just communicating truth to them, but his heart is anguished for them. Sometimes we can be very quick to rush to truth. And we need to slow down and actually share with those whom we love how agonized we are in their waywardness, or in their struggles, or in their rejection of God's word. It's a reflection of love that we're up all night with tears, consumed with thoughts of those whom God has put in relationship with us. And for those who belong to Jesus, we endure this pain, and we speak truth even when it's hard, because of abundant love. It's kind of like a good doctor. Imagine a good doctor who, who you sit down with, and, and I've got good doctors in my life, and they'll look at me, and they'll see all sorts of flaws in my body. Uh, gray hair, strange warts, all sorts of things. But what do they tell me? They tell me what I need to hear in order to be healthy. They care enough to speak truth in love. And and a good doctor will even risk harm or risk being perceived in his own motivations to heal me. If I've got a dislocated shoulder, it, it might be risky for them, that momentary pain. What are you doing? But it needs to be set. It needs to be healed. And they're willing to risk that momentary pain for me to become healthy and well. Paul's describing that with these Corinthians, that he's willing to risk momentary pain of saying hard things to them so that they would know, even despite the perception of his motivation, he's not seeking to be great. He's not seeking to be superior. He's seeking to love them, that they would experience health, love. So much so that Paul continues in verse 24, If you go back in the text, he describes a partnership he wants to have. He doesn't say that word, but but he's clear in verse 24 how he's not trying to come from a place of lording over them. Look with me. It says, not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy that you stand firm in your faith. You see, when we go and speak love and hard truth to people that we love, sometimes it appears like we're coming from a position of superiority. And Paul knows that. And he, he's trying to show them he's not lording over them. He's not trying to be great in their eyes by showing how wonderful he has it all figured out. It's not about him but he's partnering with the Corinthians for their good. He's concerned for their joy, their struggles. And and in fact, it's it's like he's bound in a three-legged race with them. (laughs) He's running 
and it's painful, but they're partners together pursuing the end of following Jesus, becoming more like him in their love and experiencing the joy of being in that love. He wants them to be free from the burdens of sin, free from how it separates and fractures us. I mean, imagine for a moment, if you've been here on one of our Christmas Eve candlelight services, uh, imagine for a moment how beautiful not only that service is when we all have our candles out and the, the, the evening's quiet, we're singing Silent Night, but imagine if one of those candles were to catch somebody on fire. That would be a terrible thing. But we wouldn't stop singing Silent, or we would stop singing Silent Night to stop that fire from happening or spreading, right? I mean, we would go out of our way to put someone out of, of the flames that they've caught themselves on. And Paul is saying he's partnering here. He's partnering for their well-being, ultimately for their joy. And that's what he says in verse 2. If you look with me, it says, for I, if I cause you pain... Who is there to make me glad but the one who I have pained? And as I wrote as I did, so that when I came, I might not suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice. For I felt sure of all of you that my joy would be the joy of you all. This is a little confusing language, the way Paul says it. But what he's saying is is that I I know I've grieved you by what I've said. I I know it hurts when I've had to speak truth to point you to Jesus at times. You're going to have to change and turn to him. You're going to have to repent. But you're the only one who can make me joyful. You make me joyful as as you hear those words, as you receive them, as you move past the grief of what I did in hurting you to the joy of knowing the outcome of the work of turning from your sin and finding the joy of the Lord. Paul's partnered with them because his joy is derived from pouring out his life in partnership with the Corinthians It's not a joy that that seeks to build himself up independent of them. It's actually a joy that comes from pouring out his life, going to great depths of love for his people, for those who God has bound to him. You see, Paul has sent them a letter. He sent them a few letters. And the first letter he sent in 1 Corinthians, he actually says this. He says, if one member suffers all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You know, Paul was teaching philosophically there. But in this passage, it's not philosophical. It's the anguish of his own heart. He's modeling for us and for the Corinthians his love. What he said to them before, he's practicing right now the anguish of his love for this church, the depth of his abundant love that would send him deep in his love and action for them. How does Paul know to do this? Well, Paul has received abundant joy, the joy that was set before his Savior, Jesus. The abundant love that Paul experienced is the abundant love that comes from a Savior who 
steps in as a man of sorrows into our world, not philosophically, but tangibly. The tangible weight that he carried with his cross to Calvary, the tangible love of his willingness to hang on the cross for his people, the tangible love of his willingness to die for us. Because of Jesus' abundant love for his people, Paul has an abundant love for this church. And because of the abundant love that Christ has shown us, we too show an abundant love for one another, the family that God has bound together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the abundant love that we have been shown through your Son, that you are the source of real joy for us, that you've shown us the great depth that you would go to for us, and you've given us a guarantee, a spirit, your spirit, that sanctifies us, that grows us in that abundant love for one another, even despite the pain of loving one another. Would you help us to pour out our lives into the family that you've given us, the family that you've bound us to, that we would be defined by that love that comes from you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.